The image of a well probably doesn't have quite the immediacy for most of us here that it would have had in the ancient world. Uh, I myself have lived most of my life within a few miles of Lake Michigan, and uh, what's more, most of my life with indoor plumbing. Drinking water is just a flick of the wrist away, and uh, we can afford to take daily 20-minute showers, maybe even twice daily, without concerning ourselves with where the water's coming from or whether there will be enough tomorrow to have our eight cups of drinking water a day. Because water is so easily available, its sign value is lessened for us. This is almost certainly less true in many places in the world today where access to clean water is literally a matter of life and death. The World Health Organization released a study a few years ago that estimates that about 700,000 children under five every year die because of waterborne illnesses that they contract simply from drinking water to stay alive. Uh, we've had some glimpses of this in the United States of late with water shortages out west and the contamination of the water supply in Flint, Michigan. But on the whole, we can take water for granted. Finding a water supply in the ancient world was a major preoccupation for nomadic persons and sojourners. And this is why the church father Origen could say that the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were constantly digging wells. If you don't dig a well, you can't survive. You don't have water for your flocks. You don't have water to clean your dishes, uh, all the things we use water for. And to search for water and strike water was a great miraculous occasion. It was a promise of life. Uh, water means life. Uh, one can often sense or find a nearby water supply from the vegetation that grows up around it. And uh, this is not always the case, but often enough. And this is perhaps one place where we modern contemporary people can relate to the miracle of water uh, because there is this primal connection between water and flourishing abundant life. It's supposed to rain today, for example, and if it does, suddenly fresh blossoms of all kinds of plants will appear as if by magic and the grass will become emerald green overnight. And with this lovely springtime effect, we can sense why it is that betrothals often happen near wells in the Bible. Uh, just as for us, uh, springtime uh, bodes uh, talk of romantic love and so on. In the ancient world, in the Hebrew scriptures, this romantic love took place around wells, where there's water, where there's vegetation. And of particular relevance for today's gospel, uh, we should recall that Jacob met the love of his life, the beautiful Rachel, at a well. And upon seeing Rachel, uh, Jacob decided to do the manly thing, and uh, he personally rolled away the large stone that was on the mouth of the well. Uh, this was a job that we are made to understand normally took two or three men to do. Uh, Rachel was duly impressed and became the mother of Jacob's two favorite sons, Joseph and Benjamin. Now, with this as background, it is actually a bit curious that Jesus does not himself get up and gallantly offer to draw the water for the Samaritan woman. 
who comes at this inconvenient midday time to draw water. When he begins speaking to her, if we were ancient listeners, we would recognize the ambiguity of the situation right away. John, of of course, draws our attention to the fact that Jews and Samaritans do not associate with one another, Uh, but astute readers will also be alert to the charged dynamic of two single persons meeting alone by a well. And the woman's uh, sort of off-putting answers to Jesus' questions are an indication of this. And it gives Jesus a chance to turn the tables a bit and set the role-playing straight. The woman is supposed to expect the man to to draw the water, do something to show uh, his, his masculinity in some way, even if perhaps to offer to carry the water back. It's, uh, according to modern archaeology, a half mile to a mile to Sychar from this well. Now, the woman at the well still keeps Jesus at bay after he suggests that uh, she should be the one requesting that he draw water. And the importance of a limitless source of water is clearly in her mind. Uh, She says she'd prefer not to have to make this regular trek out of the city to the well. You know, give me this water so I don't have to come here every day. Uh, We should also bear in mind the last thing uh, as backdrop to what I have to say today. In early monasticism, which was often located in the desert, hauling water from a distant source was a favorite ascetical practice. So it's hard. This woman having to carry this water, it's not not just, uh, you know, carrying a half a bag of groceries home or something. It's heavy. Jesus does not let the woman off the hook too quickly, however, and actually returns uh, to the betrothal motif that has been submerged just below the surface by their banter about living water. And he does this by asking her to bring her husband. And she has to admit with some embarrassment, I think, that she doesn't have a husband. And with this, uh, all of her defenses are unraveled by Jesus, who calmly reveals to her that he knows who she is. She has encountered not a a potential suitor, but a Jewish prophet. This is suddenly a very interesting and different type of encounter. Now let me break off from following the narrative here that St. John and the Church give us today and ask a question. Why is it today, the third Sunday of Lent, that we read this gospel? This is the day of the first scrutiny of the catechumens, the adults who are preparing for the gift of new life, of baptism, which they will receive at the Easter Vigil. The woman at the well is clearly meant to be a symbol of those who have been sought out by Christ, by Jesus thirsting for renewed companionship with the human race, this companionship that was broken after Adam's sin. And the rites of initiation, which will be celebrated at the Easter Vigil, lost their connection uh, with the Easter Vigil during the Middle Ages. This is because uh, during this time, uh, when Christianity became the settled faith of Europe, most people were baptized at birth, and there was not needed uh, a catechesis for adult converts to Christianity uh, during Lent. So as a further result of this drift, Lent became a time that focused more on the repentance of the already baptized, 
And of course, it still has this. It, it never lost this. Uh, but this was a kind of secondary connection to those who were undergoing their initial conversion to the faith and preparing to have their sins washed away for the first time and to receive new life for the first time from Christ. And so rather than this connection of Lent and the Sundays in Lent with the preparation for the gift of baptism, it becomes something more like, well, we need to sort of work on our moral lives. The restoration of the rite of Christian initiation for adults uh, is one of the great gifts of Vatican II, and it's one of the important planks in the new evangelization. And if, if you have the opportunity to participate in the preparation of a catechumen, adult catechumen, I did about 10 years ago, uh, it's really amazing. You go to the cathedral and there are thousands of people, adults, preparing for baptism each year just here in Chicago. And this reminds us of the connection between the resurrection of Christ at the Easter Vigil and our own resurrection, our own rebirth in baptism which we re-experience at the vigil together, standing at the font, at the entrance to the church, the font, the fountain, the spring, the font of living water that is meant not only to cleanse us externally, but to become for us this interior welling up of eternal life that we will bear with us that we have with us to bear witness to the world of Christ's love, of his forgiveness. This is the very perpetual center of our lives as members of his body. Each of us has been betrothed to the Lord as members of his spotless bride, the Church. And the consummation of this betrothal is the Holy Eucharist that we celebrate every Lord's Day, every, every day, Sunday, uh, which is the anniversary, as it were, of the resurrection, but especially the Eucharist at the Easter Vigil. And again, this resurrection that we celebrate is not simply something that happened to one man in the past. It happened to each of us in baptism. And this is why baptism is celebrated traditionally at the Easter Vigil. It is then that the very large stone at the mouth of the tomb was rolled away by the angel just as Jacob rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well. Over the course of the year, this inner spring, this gift of life we've been given, uh, becomes clogged with the debris of distraction and the clutter of insensitivity, the silt of negligence. So as Origen again puts it, he is here, the word of God, and his present work is to remove the earth from the souls of each of you, in order that fountains may flow. Each of us who, full of daily anxieties, suddenly find ourselves face to face with Christ in the gospel today, as the Samaritan woman did, we find ourselves face to face with this man who is God, who knows everything about us. Uh, he seeks us out because he loves us, because he wishes to betroth us to himself again to make us his eternal helpmate, his own flesh and bone. I who am he who is speaking to you, he says. Let us hide nothing from him. Let us hear him who speaks and not shut him out of our hearts. Lent is the time to let the Lord unleash once more the spring within us.
to let go of all that has stopped up the work of grace in our hearts. Let us prepare ourselves then to welcome him.